Welcome to our Sunday morning segment of the Grace Chapel podcast. If you would like more information about Grace Chapel, visit their website, gracechapel.org.au. There you can find more materials in growing your identity in Christ. It's the 30th of the 5th, we're back in lockdown again, and uh, I want to talk to you about investing time versus wasting time. And uh, as I was looking into our fireplace, I thought to myself, the basic thing with keeping warm is you need wood, this is a wood heater, you need wood, you need fire to produce heat. There's no fireplace around where you can stand in front of it and say, fire, if you give me heat, I'll give you wood. (laughs) It's not going to work like that. You've got to put in time, and you can can ask some people, and I guess the people who don't have fireplaces say, oh, I've had enough of wasting my time with fireplaces, with wood, and getting it in, etc. I got a friend who said to me once, there's actually six steps to uh, getting wood before it actually starts and finishes to warm you. He said the first one was, you've got to gather your tools together. That could be a chainsaw or it could be another means to, you know, cutting your wood. You've got to go out and collect it, step number two. You have to cut it up, step number three. You have to stack it somewhere. Maybe that's tidy, maybe it's not. You have to keep it dry while you're stacking it. Number five, you've got to get it in. And number six, you've got to load it in your heater and actually get it started. That's a lot of process, isn't it? You can ask yourself whether it's an investment or whether it's a waste of time. Okay? For me, I enjoy doing it. The other thing he said was it actually heats you six times before you actually put it in the fire. (laughs) And we can look at time. We can look at time like money, can't we? We're in a lockdown situation. Some people apparently really go through it, you know, as in they find it difficult. But time can be seen like money. You either spend it and you make it productive by choosing where you spend it, or you can waste it. You can fritter it away and you complain about, I know one person who's in our family, she's always complaining about when it's gone. You know, I don't know where my money's gone. <laughs> she tends to find ways to get rid of it. Okay? My point this morning is, overall point, make it productive. Make your time in this lockdown productive. Uh, I remember the first one, I was in Cooper's in Yarram. I'm using simple illustrations, not because I can't think of any difficult ones. It was good enough for Jesus to use parables. I'm going to do the same, so it's easy to catch on. Cooper's down here, our local Mitre 10. When the first lockdown came in, they couldn't get enough paint to people. Everybody said, let's paint our house. And that's, that's exactly what I'm saying this morning. You know, How can you make use of the time that you have? And so I'm going to address three areas today that you can apply yourself in this investing. Yourself, number one. Number two, your immediate friends. And number three, community, state, 
nation or kingdom of God. So that's the three areas. First area, yourself. And I'm going to use the book of Nehemiah as uh, something to launch from, okay? So Nehemiah chapter 1, verses 1 to 4, starts with this. The words of Nehemiah, the son of um, someone unpronounceable. It came to pass in the month of Chislev, in the twelfth year, as I was in Shushan, the citadel, that Hanani, one of my brethren, came with men from Judah. I asked them concerning the Jews who had escaped, who had survived the captivity, concerning Jerusalem. They said to me, the survivors who were left from the captivity in the province are there and they are in great distress and reproach. The walls of Jerusalem is also broken down and its gates are burnt with fire. So it was when I heard these words that I sat down and I wept and I mourned for many days. I was fasting and praying before the God of heaven. The question I want to ask you when we look at investing time in yourself in regards to this passage of scripture is what motivates you to action? What moves you to actually doing something about what you need to do? What prods you? That's another word, isn't it? Prods maybe is a word that is in relation with production. Who knows? What prods you to say to yourself, I have to do something about this? And I'm, I'm going to say some examples to you. Do you need to upgrade yourself? Upgrade meaning, do you need to have more skills? And I think as we go through life, I don't like the idea of me staying in a status quo position. I don't like that. I can take a power tool, I can put it in a garage, and if I leave it there long enough, it'll seize up. You know, it just won't work. And I don't want to be like that. I keep saying to people, I'd rather rust out, and I have people saying to me, slow down, and they say it more to Janice than me. <laughs> Slow down, you're going too hard at this. I'd rather, I'd rather you know, wear out than rust out. I just don't want to be like that. But if you need to upgrade yourself, now's a good time to do it. If you're in a lockdown, don't just sit there saying, oh, all this time going by and I just can't get out and I can't, you know, go read some books, you know, go get on the internet and, and um, get some input. And... Uh, Take yourself forward. Uh, this one's very close to home for us. Have you got too much clutter in your life? Anybody who's ever been to our house, <laughs> we need to seriously address this one. <laughs> and if you haven't been to our house, don't rush, okay? <laughs> Not till we get on top of this one. What about if you've got a health challenge? What about if you've got a health challenge? I had a health challenge once. I told you the story of um, Dennis was telling you the story of her migraines and flashes. I've got a, I had a health challenge with my back and I did something about it. I went into God's word. I drove myself into his word and I spent time in there. I didn't see it as a waste of time. I saw it as an investment into my future. When someone says to you at the age of 34, you're headed for a disc and a wheelchair, a disc fusion operation. I thought, wow, that was a lightning bolt. You may have a problem with no motivation at all, where you just can't get motivated. 
Well, there's ways and means. I know when I had my sore back and I was... What are you laughing at, Janice? And here I was struggling along the passageway on a pair of crutches. And I said to Janice, this must be what it's going to be like when I'm old. And she said, no, it's not. I thought, uh-oh. <laughs> I said, what's it going to be like when I'm old? And she said, I'm going to have this big pin and it's going to be headed straight to you to motivate you. <laughs> I thought, I don't like the idea of that. You may have a problem with too little income or too little finance. Well, I'm encouraging you to go to God's Word and find out what God says about that. He says that you, He will promise to supply all of your needs. I think some people get needs uh, confused with wants or desires. You know, God's not saying he's going to park you in a mansion. God says he's going to take care of your needs. You've got a problem maybe with carrying too much weight. That can be a serious issue to some people. And if you're in that position, um, I'm a little bit that way too. We had um, a whole lot of cow's milk to drink while we are away. <laughs> And it went straight to a certain area. And when I went to get dressed to come home and my pants didn't fit properly, I thought to myself, uh-oh, we've had too much milk with too much cream and now I need to do something about it. I had to make a decision. And I knew then what people go through. I thought, this is awful. Coming home through the airport and everything was so tight, not to mention sitting on the plane. I thought, yuck. <clears throat> Maintenance, you know? Maybe you've got a problem with maintenance on your, um, on your house, on yourself, you know, the things that you have, you just don't get around to it and things are in disrepair. It's all about making a decision, isn't it? This is you now. Uh, I'm saying one of two things. Write it down. One of the reasons that Janice was able to share this morning about the migraine flashes and the principles that are found in that little book. What was the name of that book again? Power, God's creative power. Margaret Court, in her book, Winning Words and Winning Faith, when she had a heart condition and she knew it, her doctors were telling her, and if she hadn't done anything about it, her whole tennis career would have just nosedived. She went to God because she was a Christian. She put a picture of a perfect heart up on her fridge and every time she went past it, she laid her hands on that picture and she said, that's my heart. That's how my heart is going to become. This is not for people who are important. This principle is for whosoever. The Bible says whosoever would confess that Jesus is Lord. God's not particularly fussy about <laughs> who he chooses. If you desire these things, whatsoever you desire when you pray, the Bible says. We're saying this to you. You know, James 1.22, I want to share this. I um, was speaking to uh, someone about this this week. James 1.22 is a great scripture. But, you know, sometimes we, don't, um, sometimes we don't pay enough attention to this. Uh, this new Bible It's in the same spot as before. You'll know it when I get to it. Verse 22, James chapter 1. But be doers of the word, and not hearers only deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word, and not a doer, he is like a man observing his natural face in a mirror. 
for he observes himself, goes away and immediately forgets what kind of man he was. If I was to ask you the question, not only you people here, but those of you looking in, how many bumps have you got on your face? Can anybody tell me? Anybody here tell me? How many bumps have you got, Margaret? Five. You've got five bumps. Obviously, Margaret has looked into the mirror. <laughs> got to have a mirror to see your face, haven't you? <laughs> Pretty hard otherwise. <clears throat> and she has done that. I find that hard to believe, but anyway, that's, a, that's good. Because most people haven't even done it. And if you don't know, the question arises is, why don't you know? You know why? Haven't paid enough attention. We haven't given to ourselves enough to detail. That's all it is. But it says here that if anyone is a hearer of my word and not a doer, he is like a man observing his face in the mirror and he looks at himself, I'm paraphrasing now, and then he immediately forgets and just walks away. And we can be like that, can't we? All I'm saying this morning is don't be someone just to forget what you look at. And if you're, if you're looking at me this morning, I'm a classic. Ask Janice afterwards. I can say something to her in the morning and she'll say by lunchtime, now what was that thing that we were talking about before? And I say, what thing? <laughs> and then she'll go and tell me about it. I read somewhere once when we first got married that you have to study your wife. And so I did. One night we were in... Um, getting ready to, uh, to go to bed and I said to her, what's something that you really like? I was applying this principle and she says, oh, I like cherry ripes. Well, it got to the stage I, I thought this is really easy. As a man, I thought all I've got to do is buy cherry ripes and I'm in business. <laughs> I'll win her over. <laughs> and so they were coming in by the truckload and she says, no more cherry ripes. <laughs> uh, had to readjust that one. Okay, so if we go back to Nehemiah, I want to go back to verse 5 now. And I said, it's got written here, I pray, Lord God of heaven, O great and awesome, you keep your covenant and your mercy with those who love you. You observe the commandments. Please let your ear be attentive. And you know what it says, let your request be known to God. Open eyes open that you may hear the prayer of your servant referring to himself, which I pray before you now day and night for the children of Israel, your servants, and confess the sins of the children of Israel. This is my next point we're going on to now. And my next point is immediate friends. How can you apply yourself at a time that you're in now to your immediate friends? As you heard that prayer of Nehemiah's, I want to ask you the question, is he talking about himself or is he talking about other people? I'm giving you some background now. He was serving the king of Persia. He was a cupbearer, a little bit like the uh, one who was in jail with Joseph, if you remember, and crossover to that story. He used to <coughs> serve the king his wine. He heard from Hanani, and that was what the first four verses were about, <coughs> He heard what was going back on in, uh, in Jerusalem, where the, the people were that had gone back to the city after their time in bondage. 
He also heard that they were susceptible to attack. The walls were broken down. Nothing was happening regards repairing them. No one had come forward to head up that plan. And so he was very upset. Here he is in bondage, can't get out of it. He is a cupbearer, he is in a strange land himself, and he is saying to himself, God, how can I contribute towards this? How can I do something here? He was feeling very much uh, for his uh, friends, for his country people, the people who were in that country, in that city, and how the walls were broken down, how nothing was happening. You know, in this time of lockdown, I want to say to you, if you want a friend, be a friend. You know, we have today at our disposal, we have phones, we can ring people, we can text, you can refer to which we do. With uh, We've got two people currently that we're um, contacting in jail. You can send them a letter. You can even go there. We did that on the way home, if you can call it on the way home. We were <laughs> travelling home from Muldura and we sidestepped ourselves across to Ararat. I don't know how far that took us out of our wait list, an hour and a half, something like that. We stayed overnight, which stopped us from coming straight home. And we went in to visit um, uh, this, this one bloke called David. But we got a phone call yesterday from a man called Murray. And we've been writing to these people. And we've, they're, in, they're in a position where they're in bondage, much more than us. And yet they were um, contacting us again too. You can have that to encourage them. <coughs> I want to tell you a story before we continue on with this. And I'm throwing things in here to challenge you to look out from yourself at this time. The situation is that William Booth heading up the Salvation Army. He has passed on. It's time for his funeral. The coffin is in the middle of the church. The crowds are stupid. <laughs> they had security guards. This derelict man finds his way, a drunk, derelict man, finds himself past, away past the security guards. He comes into the church, he runs down and he puts his hands on the coffin. They tried to take him away, he said. All I wanted to do was come and say, this man made time for me. This man made time for me. William and Catherine Booth were very famous because they spent time with the down and outers. They started their ministry in London and it went out from there. All the way to Joyce in Yarrow. <laughs> <laughs> Even Murray was involved in the um, Salvation Army. Make time for your wife and your family at this time. Book them in. Janice came to me this morning and she unloaded all this stuff when she woke up. I'd already been awake for hours beforehand and um, I, I just about sent her off, didn't I? And asked you to go back to the bedroom, I was busy and I thought to myself, no, we've got some time. So I went through to the cold, cold bedroom and we, I listened to her ideas. <laughs> what other person should I spend time with but my wife or my family? That's where we've been this week. And the two weeks beforehand, going over and serving Penny and Harry looking after them. We book bike rides in with people so that we can spend time. And there's rail trails around here. We've got 
another person up in sale that we've already made a point of um, you know, booking a bike ride in with him. You find your own ways to uh, link with people. At the moment you're in lockdown, I keep making this point. Use the phone, contact people, spend your time and invest into people. You know that one thing you can take with you to heaven yes. is people. That's probably the only thing. Don't know anything else you can take up there. You've heard it said before, I'm sure you have. People don't care how much you know till they know how much you care. care. That's right. So chapter 2 of Nehemiah. And it came to pass in the month of Nisan. I don't know if that's a way to say it, but Nisan. In the tw 20th year of King Artaxerxes, when wine was before him, I took the wine and gave it to the king. Now I had never been sad in his presence before. Therefore the king said to me, Why is your face sad, since you are not sick? And there is nothing but sorrow in your heart. He obviously identified with that. So I became dreadfully afraid and said to the king, May the king live forever. Why should my face not be sad when the city, the place of my father's tombs, lies waste and its gates are burned with fire? Then the king said to me, What do you request? You know, this can be a real parable and a parallel of what God says in his word, let your requests be known to God. That's right, isn't it? This man, Nehemiah, who was he thinking of? Was he thinking of just himself? Or was he thinking of his people? Once again, we see that he's, uh, it's a thing here where he's thinking of his people. You know, if you're going to live a selfish life, you're going to have some serious limitations. Because that's what a selfish life produces. If you look up Luke 6, 38, we won't do that, but we could. Luke 6, 38 basically says, with the measure that you use, it'll be measured to you. And Genesis often had to remind me about that. You know, the world says, what goes around comes around. That's a saying in the world. Recently, um, we had a phone call from one of our um, men who was in jail, and Janice said to them, be productive. You have a mission for your, where you are. Don't worry about so much about the sentence, about the time that you're there. Make the most of where you are and what you're doing. You know, we were sitting in an airport just this week, and I thought to myself, I am never going to use that phrase, kill time again. <laughs> I don't want to be killing time. You know, I had a book with me, I had the phone when we were in Australia, wasn't working in New Zealand, I reverted back to the book, I wrote some things down, I tried to be productive where I was. Look at Paul when he was in jail, look what he produced in the way of the New Testament. Most of that was written when he was in jail, waiting for his sentence and his time to come up, where he would go to see Caesar or someone in the same position as that. Look at Prince Philip, for example. Now, he's just passed away. You know, there's this saying, behind every good man is a good woman. Look at Prince Philip. Behind that great woman has been a great man. He gave up his life. He had a lot 
to, um, to live for. He gave it up, he put it aside, and he served her, and he served his country. And that was so that she could do her job. I think we need to ask ourselves, who can I invest into? I know a man here in town. He's a great friend of ours. He's 50 plus years. I don't exactly know how old he is now. But I said to him one day, I said, you, um, how, how have you enjoyed your life? He said, my life is finished at 50 years of age. You ask this bloke uh, about anywhere. He's been there. <laughs> he has travelled the world. He, have got, he has gone to anywhere that's anything. And he can tell you about it. When I was in Venice, he said, you know, when I went to the States, you know, when people talk about Alaska, I thought, man, where have you not been? <laughs> Hasn't been to the moon. <laughs> you know, that's how he is. And I said, um, how do you feel now about your family? He says, my life now is for living for them. That was his comment. I have my business on I earn money. I provide for them. I want my children to grow up into, um, you know, and have the kind of opportunities that I had. And he's, he's just abandoning himself for his wife and his family. We've got another lady, and she might be looking in this morning and she'll know who she is. Now, she loves yellow roses. Not sure why, but that's what she loves. We've got yellow roses in our house. If her husband ever comes around, we say, look, there's a rose or two or a yellow flower. Take it for your wife. And apparently it sends her into orbit. <laughs> I'm glad she enjoys it. You know, just a simple thing like a flower. You don't know how far-reaching the things that you have are going to change someone's life. Yeah. Amazing, isn't it? And we always get feedback. So I hope if you're watching this morning that um, you know the last rose we gave you, or the last yellow flower, was, uh, was good. Why not? It doesn't take big things to um, ignite someone and, and their happiness. Get into it. That's what I'm saying to you. And you can do it, as I said before, with phoning people up, with texting. The last lockdown we went through, we would do this presentation and then we'd get straight on the phone and we would spend up to three hours just contacting people and talking. We'd make the most of our time at home. It was a wet, murky day like it was when we left Melbourne. You know, um, we could just sit there and talk to people one after the other. We'd have a sleep, go back to talking and investing constantly. On our way home from Melbourne, we squeezed in six visits somehow. No wonder we were tired. <laughs> we just went from one place to the other. Investing into people. Number three, community, state, nation or God's kingdom. How can I contribute to one or more of these areas? Well... A famous quote by JFK said, Ask not, can anybody help me with this? Ask not what your country can do for you, but what you can do for your country. The amazing thing was this morning I looked at that to get the wording right. Underneath that quote is a t-shirt and this man, is, this man has the t-shirt on. And the T-shirt says, I'm going to look it up now. The T-shirt says, 
I am only going to talk to my dog today. That's all I'm going to do. And I thought to myself, wow, that guy missed that completely. You know, because so selfish. That's all he could see. Who else could I mention? You know, Moses, in the Old Testament and the New Testament, it says no less than 94 times, Moses obeyed God. Moses obeyed God. Now, he achieved some phenomenal things on a national level. We still talk about him today. I'm not sure how many years ago he lived, but look at what he achieved. And all he simply did was obey God. When God told him to hold a rod over whatever circumstances there was, he used that rod. When God told him to take a step forward, he did that. And he faced some phenomenal things. 40 years in the wilderness, etc. Going the distance with all those people. But it says no less than 94 times. Is there a message in that? Moses obeyed God. Bob Hawke's parents believe sincerely that prophecy over Jesus and the government will be upon his shoulders. If you looked at one of the documentaries on Bob Hawke, that's what they said. We sincerely believe that our son was going to be a prime minister in this country. And he did. You know, I'm, I must admit I'm not the biggest fan of Bob Hawke, but I believe that you can learn something from leaders. The first thing he did when he got into par Parliament as a prim, Prime Minister, I think within three weeks, he had everybody together and he was having talks with them and he gained cooperation. And they're all there at, on the steps of Canberra and they all took a big picture of um, all these people from all sorts of leaders, from all sorts of walks of life. He did some great things, Bob Hawke. I'll have to, I'd have to say certainly that. And he was prepared to put in to his nation. The question that's, um, that's here before you is, what can we do? You might say to yourself, I'm just someone who lives in this little corner of Gippsland. Now, what can I do to change what's around me? There was a person who said once, this man looked up and he said, she's left me, the stars have fallen from the sky. My life has no meaning. You remember this one? The man's name was Billy Graham. What a joke. <laughs> As we look back now. You know, the President of the US said when he died, we have just lost a valuable asset. I wonder how many people that the President of the United States says that about. You know? But here he was thinking... Probably a similar thing at that stage. He was only a late teens, early um, 20s. And he says, my life has no meaning. All right. <laughs> well, history proves that wrong. What about Mr. Arthur Stace? Do you remember at the turn of the century, Sydney Harbour Bridge, fireworks going off, and in big letters, they had it all lit, lit up. Eternity. You remember looking at that? Arthur Stace was a man who found himself a ministry. He got saved as a drunk. Again, going to the Salvation Army. Joyce, I hope you're watching this, you know. You can get really excited if you want, that's fine. <laughs> he went to a Salvation Army meeting. He sat beside one of the most notorious criminals in Sydney. 
They looked at each other. They said to each other, what are you doing here? And the other one said, well, um, I just, I just walked in off the street. What are you doing here? And he said, well, I've got this idea that they're doing better than me. So that's why I came. And it's a free meal. <laughs> no? The Salvation Army provided something for them. Arthur Stace got saved out of that. He came out of that saying, God, what kind of ministry have you got for me? And he came, he felt like he came upon the words eternity, something to do with eternity. It was just burning in him. He couldn't get rid of it. So he bought himself some chalk and he started writing it on the footpath. Every morning he would get out and he would write eternity. One word message. Uh, we're putting up after this is finished. Please don't just um, sign off. A story by the name of Mr. Jenner of George Street. It's a story that we've had up, I think, once before at a, um, a Father's Day. But Mr. Jenner was a man who was a drunken sailor. He got saved. He said, God, what's something simple that I can do to change uh, somebody's life? And uh, God showed him that if he, if he had a simple message to uh, talk to people, whether they're, whether they're going to be saved tonight or whether they're, if they died, whether they would be going to heaven or going to hell. And that was his simple message. Just ask a question. Did it politely most of the time, I'm led to believe? And the whole story goes for about eight minutes. We'll put it up. I encourage you to read it. Very, very challenging what that is. Now, if you are making a decision on all of this, community, state, nation, God's kingdom, I don't know how God's going to use you. But I'll have to say this much. If you look at that T-shirt quote under the JFK quote, ask not what your country can do for you, but what you can do for your country. If you take the attitude, I'm only talking to my dog today. <laughs> what a... What a stupid quote. <laughs> you know? um, you're not going to get very far. It's a case of sewing ourselves in. Okay, lastly, let's have a look at Nehemiah. Once again, if you look at the first five or six chapters of Nehemiah in your own time, it's all about how we organise the people to build the wall, how they changed the situation for all those ones who were living in that city. And he accomplished that task in record time. Verse 7. Now it happened when Sambalad, Tobiah, the Arabs, the Ammonites, and the Ashdodids, is that how you say it? Heard that the walls of Jerusalem were being restored and the gaps were beginning to be closed, they became very angry. It actually says at the start of that, when they found that the walls were being built back up, they were furious. That's chapter 4, verse 1, going back to that. And very indignant. And they started mocking those people. If you think that you're going to make a decision and there's going to be no opposition to it, look at Nehemiah and think again. You know, that's where the Bible says take every thought captive. You know, if you're in a position where you're going to say to yourself, oh, well, I think I might just um, serve my community in some way or another, you know, and it won't be long before something will happen to you. If you don't believe us, 
Ask Pastor Brian in sale <laughs> the sort of things that's happened to him. Ask Pastor Graham. He made a decision and, and wanted to do something for God. And stuff broke out in his family. If you don't believe them, ask us. We can tell you a few stories too. <laughs> it's all about making the decision and then doing something about it and following it through. By the way, um, this character, Sam Ballard, he was a horror knight. How would you like to have that title? <laughs> you know? Wow. He even sounds like he's bad news to deal with, don't you agree? So, <clears throat> I want to leave you with, uh, on the page... On the, on the page 22 and 23, or was it 21 and 22 of the Herald Sun, they had a story of what was happening with 21 and 22. They had a story about um, what was happening in, in the political area and what is happening now with Sale and what they are trying to achieve up there. They've got 12 people in Sale who have moved into a position of politics. And it says on one of those pages that the political arena, the um, either the Libs or the Nationals, are very, very concerned, almost upset, that these 12 people are making such an effect. I thought to myself, we've only got 12 people and they're sending ripples through our Victorian Parliament. You don't think that you can do very much. And none of these people are going for Prime Minister. They just joined a political party and they, they, they've joined up with these parties to be an influencer. You never know how God is going to use you. You never know what God is going to do in your life. I'm sure Moses never dreamed that God would use him in the way that uh, he used him. And for the other people that I've already mentioned, people like Billy Graham, people like Mr. Eternity, Arthur Stace. You know, I looked at that prophecy that he had he said, your message is going around the world. When I read that before the year 2000, and I didn't know much about him, I thought, how can that do that? But then there it was on television. The fireworks were going off, all the cameras were rolling, and Australia was the second country, I think, to, to come up on the world television stage when it came to that. And there were the letters, eternity. And the prophecy was being fulfilled. We don't know how God is going to use us. We don't know how things are going to pan out. Don't just say to yourself, I'm in a lockdown. Don't just say to yourself, I'm in a little corner of Gippsland. What can God do for me? You, know, you read that story um, of Mr. Jenner as, as it comes up on the, uh, on the film. And you'll be able to see for yourself. It's a pity we didn't have the laptop here, but we don't. <clears throat> I encourage you to do that. Take it on board. You never know how God can use you. Let's submit um, these ideas that I have given to you this morning. Doing something about you yourself, doing something about friends, and doing something about you being involved with your community, with your state, and even maybe your nation. Let's pray, can we? Heavenly Father, we thank you for the challenge that you put before us. Thank you, Lord, that it's little steps towards a big accomplishment. It never seems to be one big gigantic jump. 
And thank you that you've chosen us. We are happy, more than happy, to submit ourselves to you. And thank you that as we consider people like Nehemiah, people like Moses, the different ones that we can pick out of modern day people who have submitted themselves to you. And we take on board that uh, saying of uh, John F. Kennedy, don't ask ourselves what our country can do for us. God, help us today to make a decision on what we can do for our country, for our friends and improving ourselves. Show us how we can productively do something about this time of lockdown. We don't want to be people who sit in front of a fire and say, you give me heat and I'll give you wood. It doesn't work. We want to be people who understand investing our time, investing ourselves into the things that need to be invested into. Show us how we can do it accurately. Don't let us be people who are just takers, receivers only. Help us, God, to be people who are the head constantly and not the tail. Don't let it be that we go through our lives and people just give to us. We want to be people who give and we want to be able to see that you can give back to us and prove that to different ones around us. Thank you for the enhancement that you have been to our lives so far and uh, we're looking to be the people that we can be used by you as we submit ourselves today. Thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Please tune in next week for another uplifting and inspiring message from Grace Chapel. Bye for now.